Tuesday Night Talk is a part of Real Sound Reviews YouTube channel where I make tutorial, reviews and many incredible things to help you in sound creation. You can support by donation on patreon.com zdv and indeed subscribe to never miss a single episode. talk I'm very very glad today to be with Martin Spopelitz and Helmut Benz I'm very flattered to have you guys uh, there's a lot of things happening right now in the company in terms of news in terms of partnership but I have also a couple of um, questions uh, to ask you uh, out of um, curiosity what were you doing before founding the company? Was it related to sound engineering or was it in a very different field? Uh, sound somewhat has been like a hobby, but I was a totally, totally amateur level kind of, uh, uh, you know, person interested in audio. Like audio was never my main thing. In fact, uh, I did some some sort of sound related projects before, but those are just like do it yourself home type of projects. From today's perspective, they were completely ridiculous. So, uh, so I think like answering your question, that means we, we I started from complete scratch. It was a totally new industry for me. It's, uh, the same goes for me. As much as I think back, it's now actually curious as I remember myself uh, in the earlier days, kind of. Audio has kind of been there on the parallel as some sort of hobby interest for some reason I've been attracted to like amplifiers and we did some PA for school discos and stuff like that but it was like uh, I think I spent my first money on a home kind of stereo for my room and stuff like that but it was not really and no serious involvement with uh, audio prior to Sonarworks. Uh, and so, how did you guys met or known? It, this is for a long time? Yeah, we know each other for a very long time. Uh, I think we met in uh, secondary school, so uh, yeah, before university. Then uh, we went to the same class in the university. Uh, then we started the first company together. And then, then there was like a small break in between in our marriage, and uh, now we are happily back together. Latvian woman. <laughs> when does the first sparkle in your mind comes about? We should find a company that is related to sound calibration and audio. It was actually kind of uh, like yeah, as Helmut said, we had a uh, quite a bit of. Uh, the same journey in life in terms of education and uh, founding companies together and then at some point it kind of came to both of us that it's about time to start some new venture and I think it was primarily a uh, willingness or kind of uh, yeah we kind of wanted to build uh, some new company we wanted to do something global and something tech related and uh, something uh, interesting kind of uh, some cool adventure it wasn't necessarily going to be about audio it was about uh, hey let's 
let's figure out some cool thing that we can do and uh, build some products or services or something. But we really went through a very broad list of ideas at the time, starting from like software for ship fleet management and ending with uh, echo food ideas. Uh, so uh, audio kind of uh, came as a, uh, I don't want to say an accident. I mean, it was somehow we were attracted to audio. So at some point we met an engineer who had a prototype for speaker measurement and calibration it was like hmm, that's an interesting idea and it kind of went from there but um, it was kind of outright it was just a an adventure to build a company yeah i, I guess well from there it was sort of a very business oriented decision making process where like we didn't come from like professional audio side so when i see a product prototype that is audio related like i can't really say whether that's a game changing thing or uh, or somebody is just like tricking me. Uh, so what we did was we went off to uh, LA for for some time. We actually uh, and the goal there was just to go around and talk to the actual audio professionals. And uh, and there we saw that hey this product actually works. The concept is right. There is a need in the market. We understood that the product wasn't right. Uh, but we saw what the technology can do. We saw that there is a market need, and that's where kind of that's at that point it clicks, and you say, okay, this makes sense. This is a new technology. It's actually game changing in the industry. So I'll jump all in into this one. You have consumers all over the world, and uh, I think that people, most of them, don't realize uh, actually the place that music got in Latvia about singing about choirs about music and dance festival you go in small town and uh, for me the, with a foreigner it's a striking every small town has this uh, venue with quite mm -hmm. good quality uh, you have uh, music school you have really a background of culture related to music and sound is it the kind of thing that you consider to have been helpful or stimulating also? There is, I think, somewhat that, because that means that there are, this aspect means that there are more people in general that resonate with the with this particular industry. With, uh, with And I find that there are kind of, as you said, lots of people that are in like somewhat music related on the creative side. There is another big aspect in the mix that you didn't mention which i think plays ultimately a bigger role which was uh, in the soviet union uh, riga had this uh, riga uh, rigs radio rupnitsa uh, this um, factory that was producing speakers uh, and like as things were in the soviet well, union also vef which was producing also yes, kind of yes, like yes audio yes. gear for so, the whole soviet union so so and and, and that was an absolutely gigantic uh, enterprise. So it was a monopoly. Almost uh, uh, there was another one in the Soviet Union, but uh, RR, uh, it's Triple R was the name of the company. And that company was like the biggest one in the Soviet Union. You ha so you have a you have a sound equipment manufacturer that has a monopoly on a hundred fifty million people market, which is an absolutely insane kind of market condition. So. If you look at Riga, there's a whole district in Riga which was just built for the workers of that factory. It was absolutely enormous. So when the Soviet Union collapsed, of course the market collapsed and like, there's no need that, uh, for, or, or for a company of that size. So 
but what what was left from that event was lots of engineers lots of people who were actually involved in the industry from a technical point of view and and one way or another uh, you could see how this kind of span many other companies afterwards so i think this uh, there was also uh, some some technical competence that was in Latvia in particular because of these conditions that kind of set us apart from other places. Why, if you look now, and I think I do see like a cluster here, there, there it's not just us, there are quite a few other companies that are successful in, 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 in sound-related technologies and, and products. And I think it like one way or another, you will trace it back to somehow to like that competence being there kind of when the Soviet Union collapsed. So there's kind of both components, like the emotional attachment to music, yeah. singing, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. creativity in general. And on the other hand, there is the some technical background that's still uh, kind of through generations, one way or another, has influenced um, people's interest towards audio technologies around here. And what is the ratio of people involved in musical activities or making music on their own inside the company? You have um, right. an idea of it? Quite like I, I, I can't say a precise like I'm ratio 70, from heart. 60, 70 percent. Yeah, we definitely attract people who are kind of in that yeah. hobby, and over times, as we have now grown to be quite a quite a big team, it's kind of uh, definitely very very many people are attracted to that in different ways. And is it a criteria for um, being employed also? Because I, I... Not really. I think we actually kind of, uh, on the opposite, I mean, we definitely, I mean, that's definitely a positive thing and it definitely kind of uh, adds to the motivation of why people want to work here. So, I mean, on average, I think we attract more of those people than, I don't know, a bank or something like that. But mm -hmm. on the other hand, I think one of the strengths around here including us with me and Helmut kind of not coming from the music industry is that you actually have a pretty diverse mm -hmm. set of backgrounds and it's not that everybody is like a committed guitarist from age three uh, and thus we actually share quite a broad perspective on things sometimes it leads to many kind of quarrels and disputes but I think ultimately it's what enables us to take a fresh look at the problems and challenges and uh, uh, do what we do uh, very good, very well. So you you are working in tech and sound, but you are also a startup, uh, and uh, you have um, some values, or I would say like truthfulness, ambition, mm -hmm. learn and experience. Are you the person who uh, uh, started this as a catch word or motivation to? No, uh, like th this one in particular, we sort of the first step comes when you realize that values are important as such. Uh, sort of mm -hmm. they like it, it's a, it's a question of when you when you try to explain how the world works or how things work in general. Like there are many layers how you can explain things. At some point, I guess in. Uh, you get to the stage where you realize that values actually play a major role in why things are happening the way they are happening uh, eventually. So uh, I think we came from a background when we, we really thought that values are important, not because of some sort of, uh, you know, it's a marketing tool uh, uh, to get some kind of message across, but really when you understand that fundamentally it's a lot is based on values. 
And then we, and that was actually fairly early in the company, we said values are important tool to, to grow a company. You can't choose values just out of thin air. Like if they don't resonate with me or with the rest of the team, mm -hmm. they will never work because that's what values are by definition. It's like uh, you can't really, I think you can't really change your values uh, or at least short term you can't. So, uh, so then we came together and we literally kind of sat down and 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 we tr we we did I think we had a team of like 15 or 20 people at the time so yeah. we did like a one or two day seminar where we mm -hmm. kind of spent time talking about it and uh, crystallizing what is what are the kind of top few top most important values and, uh, and those have been yeah. with us since then and then if we dig deeper and we th we ask the question of why did I care about truthfulness as a value? Well, it comes out of my kind of character and my previous uh, life experience. And it's hard to answer how much of that comes out of the local culture and whether I've been, I think that kind of um, sort of Soviet Union, if you if you think about the heritage of this nation, right, being Lat Latvia, which is a post-Soviet Republic. So the Soviet Uni Union was like it probably scored one of the least when it comes to truthfulness. The whole system is like untruthful. Uh, that's the like that's the core. I, I guess like in a most of the time in a communist kind of environment, like your core value is like you know uh, not 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 anti-truthfulness. So does that play an effect when you like break free and you suddenly say I actually kind of want to adhere to that value? I don't know. It's it's a, it's a such a deep uh, kind of uh, long shot. I think yeah. it's kind of. I, I would kind of say, I think both of us and most of the team at that time and to many degrees also currently, uh, we kind of come from this. Uh, I don't know, more like extremely rational perspective on the world rather than super emotional or creative. It's more like, hey, so what are we doing? What are the objectives? And then sometimes also kind of, and it kind of. Um, stimulates uh, this environment where you kind of lay things out clearly and you kind of debate them and you let the kind of truth win the argument and it doesn't matter kind of what's your kind of status in the company. It's kind of if you win the argument, then that must be the truth. It's kind of the way how we, how we kind of look for it. And it's just kind of, uh, I don't know, it's kind of the type of thing that we like. I mean, I've been in some other organizational cultures where it's mostly about, I don't know, organizational politics or something. And it's just kind of, I don't know, I, can, I can't really feel good in that environment to the point where I feel totally demotivated because it's a totally different game and everybody's talking about one thing and playing another one. And I guess it kind of came up that, hey, that's actually very useful. And if we end up putting so much time and effort into building a company, why not build something that we kind of uh, like and believe in? So uh, I, I mean... I guess me and Helmus, we kind of came from the time when Soviet Union was already on its kind of end days. So I don't think we have been directly kind of heavily influenced by what it was in the through 60s society. or 70s, but through, through society. society. Sure, sure, sure. So there are all these kind of more abstract and kind of uh, in-depth effects, sure. But kind of distilling those, I guess, is uh, tricky. But, but it served in ultimately the creativity inside the company yeah i mean i think kind of creativity can very much 
exist and mm -hmm. be created within kind of some sort of clear and rational environment. It's uh, not that you have to be drunk and messy to be creative. It's <laughs> uh, yeah, so. So uh, there have been big changes inside the, the company is the, and this particularly this rebranding uh, in sound ID sound ID reference. Can you explain to us what you felt the need of making this rebranding um, coming from TrueFi and reference? Um, I have an idea and uh, I express some theories, but I want to hear you about this. From the product perspective, I mean, since actually very early days in the company, we started off with building a product for the music creators, but we've kind of always been uh, more ambitious than just the music creator market. And we've kind of tried to look at the whole problem broader because like fixing the sound for the music creators, establishing a reference sound for them is nice, but ultimately you still have all the consumers out there who listen to the music, who hear all types of sounds from their headphones and their speakers. And uh, I think at the very core, what we're trying to do is on one hand, we're trying to search for the ultimate answer to what is perfect sound and how can we deliver it to as many people as possible. And that answer, I think, turned out to be a little different than we originally expected. But then on the other hand, at the essence, from the music creator perspective, we're dealing with the translation problem. We're trying to eliminate that. I mean, part of the problem is establishing a reference sound in the studio, but you still, still everybody hears a different random version of what you're creating depending on their choice of headphones or speakers. And uh, initially we thought that this uh, answer would be just to create, establish the same reference sound from the studio, give it to the consumer. Then we created the TrueFi product, which was kind of built on that hypothesis. But eventually we learned that not enough people like that sound. It encouraged us to go deeper and figure out, hey, so if they don't like that, what do they like? And it turns out that everybody likes a different sound. And uh, this sound personalization, like, calibrating studios to reference sound and then personalizing the sound for the end listener seems to be as close as we can get to the conceptual answer of what is the perfect sound and how can you ensure that everybody hears the best sound that they might wish for. But then once we ended up with, hey, personalization seems to be the big answer that we believe in for the consumer market of establishing the perfect sound then uh, yeah by that time the name sonarworks kind of was it was clear that that's not gonna resonate and then uh, we did some more soul searching and realized that sound id seems to be the perfect name which kind of encapsulates this notion that the perfect sound for everybody is actually personal and uh, uh, it's, what, uh, yeah, it's not one size fits all type of uh, world yeah, because what we can, we, you conducted a lot of research with tests to see what kind of profile people liked. Mm -hmm. And there is this bridge, it's bringing the quality from reference mm -hmm. to sound ID for the smartphone application mm -hmm. and headphones, but also to give some kind of um, reference of mastering of what mm -hmm. the consumer use in sound now, sound ID reference. So the mm -hmm. two universe are merging. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, it's kind of like, I uh, like the analogy of like, if you think about painting, and I'm not a painter, but uh, I'm assuming that if you're kind of painting uh, your artwork, then you would benefit in the creation context from like a neutral white light, so that when you're painting like a particular red type of a sunset, then 
you know that what you paint is actually there. But then once you've done painting and you switch over to like the enjoyment context and you're no, no longer in the creation context, but you're in the enjoyment context, you bring the painting home, put it by your fireplace or whatever where you hang it. And then it's perhaps okay to kind of not want that neutral white light. And so for creation context, this neutrality is key and we see it working and bringing benefit to many music creators around the world. And then for the listening part of it, you start with that reference sound, but then uh, everybody actually enjoys and likes a different thing because of different reasons. But it's okay to personalize it on top of that artist's original vision. And these tests are very precise. And uh, when um, guys here at Research and Development make the test, they can, for example, tell you if you play the guitar, if you play the drum. Did you ever think, for example, about having partnership with uh, um, medical medical industry? Is it something that could come? It can be. It can be. And like, first of all, an interesting fact: the the hearing aid industry is bigger than the the sound equipment industry. Uh, mm -hmm. Simply because, like, if you look at the individual device, like an individual hearing aid costs in thousands, and they're actually like increasing number of people in need for those. So as a as a business uh, from a from a business perspective, it's a very very meaningful industry to look at. Uh, from where we started, that's not the perfect fit for us at this point because we are aiming at improving. Basically, we are aiming still at improving the experience for people without even hearing uh, uh, any kind of hearing dam damage, and then of course we are taking we are looking at the hearing aspect as well. Uh, but then kind of the next there is, you know, there's improving the experience for people who are actually completely fine with hearing. Then you have improving in the middle, you know, improving experience for people with some hearing loss. And then you have, you know, uh, you don't hear what people are telling you and then improve the experience for that person. So these tasks are very different in terms of how you would actually solve the problem. Mm -hmm. uh, what works uh, for for one end doesn't work for the other. So once you go to like very serious, drastic, you know, hearing problem uh, on a medical grade, grade, the solutions are actually also somewhat technologically different than, than you would apply elsewhere. So somewhere along the way, we might come to that. But at the moment, uh, we still kind of look at the main use case as let's improve the experience for just ordinary person that doesn't necessarily like have a half deaf deaf uh, deaf uh, you know uh, hearing so but eventually it might get to that there there are there are some unique technological aspects that set us apart from other companies that potentially we can solve some problems in that area that others can't but it's just not the main business focus uh, at this point so there is recently this uh, partnership with One More, who, uh, with a brand of headphones. Could you uh, tell us about this uh, this new partnership? Part of this bigger mission that we see ourselves on, like bridging music creators with listeners and delivering amazing sound experience to everybody out there, we really see that the best way of achieving that is through partnerships with different sound manufacturing companies and one more is now uh, among the first ones i think it's uh, definitely the biggest one so far on the consumer market that we are working with um so it's about 
putting the sound ID profile inside Bluetooth headphones. Yes. yes yeah. So ultimately, what we want to do is we want to bring this personalization, sound personalization experience to the listener, uh, and we have to, I mean, and do it in a very, very smooth and convenient way for the for the listener. So uh, we, the case with the headphones is that, uh, and we also have partnerships with uh, Drop Headphone and with a uh, Monoprice Headphone. So uh, the Bluetooth chipset inside the headphone is actually able to handle the DSP necessary to deliver the personalization. So we're kind of integrating our app level technology with the headphone so that the personalization can run inside it. So, the, so these partnerships with manufacturers are really the key to bring the best possible user experience uh, because uh, there are two parts to our technology. First, you have to create your sound ID and understand what is it that you need in sound. And the second then is how do you use it? So from a usage perspective, building it into the headphone is the most convenient way because once you upload your profile into the headphone, you can just forget about it. It works always everywhere. It just becomes part of the headphone. So the, doing these integrations on a hardware level is the best way to go from user experience point of view. So uh, so that's why I think we are so excited about these launches because it actually brings the full user experience the way we kind of originally thought about it to the market. And years of work now that are embodied in this gear. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, about signed ID reference, uh, uh, we we are in the studio where there is a multi-channel, fantastic multi-channel uh, uh, system. Uh, can we hope for um, the next upgrade that there will be um, Dolby um, so, calibration? So there is the. We can definitely hope. <laughs> <laughs> there is uh, so so yeah. We we are here in a in a sort of our studio where a lot of research work happens and like prod product development and testing, and over here we can experience you know uh, somewhat like I would say the, the future right. So this is a a, a multi-channel setup. Uh, which is you know tuned in a very specific way. So here you can experience speaker-based, uh, really three-dimensional sound experience. I don't think that that's the reality yet at an ordinary home. You like you don't have you know twenty-three speakers installed in your living room, uh, at least not at this point. Uh, and there has been some development on the headphone side to give you these three D experiences in the headphone. If we would go through the demos in this room uh, and try to show you the same on the headphone, and, and, and the 3D technology is really not our main angle. We don't do the 3D technology. But on the speaker side, in this complicated of a setup, it works really nice. If we would give you the same on the headphones, you like it, it's, a, it's a considerably uh, less uh, smooth of an experience than it would be on the speakers. So. Uh, we are somewhat playing a part in it because what we do is we fix the acoustics of headphone or a speaker so we can make any kind of content or 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 other experience that's put on this hardware sound better but we don't really kind of themselves ourselves develop the 3d technology so as much as 3d technology develops and becomes more mature we are we can help the experience uh, but i don't think that Oh, the speaker technology is there. 
but the problem is that average consumer doesn't have this kind of speaker set up at home and the headphone technology still has some way to go for like real maturity in terms of market adoption but our role there is improving on that experience so that we can already do there are, there are a lot of but also kind of answering uh, yeah regarding sound id reference we definitely see that there is now increasing interest among music creators to mm -hmm. kind of create sound on a 3d object-based audio standards like Dolby Atmos or others that are coming up. And uh, yes, we're very much looking into helping those users uh, establish uh, good multi-channel studios. Yes. The, the fact the next product coming out uh, or, or, uh, a bit later is, uh, is a multi-channel product for the professionals. So we're working on that. Okay, so maybe one of the next upgrades, but not sure yet, if I understand. No, 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 we are fully committed on, on We're working that on that. I wouldn't now kind of yet uh, commit on when exactly that would come out and more details, but, uh, but yes, we're definitely looking on that. Um, so there is this uh, partnership with merging also mm -hmm. uh, that will integrate. You you won't need necessarily a computer to make sound calibration. I need some breaking news for this YouTube channel. So uh, <laughs> what what is a uh, what is uh, the, um, what are the different projects for the future? Do you have so also on the products on the on the sound ID reference music creator side? Uh, we really see that the one of the biggest wishes among our users is to get the calibration process out of the box for different reasons. Uh, mm -hmm. Convenience, better fit for the workflow, and you don't and, have and to. And out of the box means uh, mm -hmm. sort of uh, uh, not as a software solution, but yeah. as a part of a hardware solution. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then uh, that is, uh, yes, so that is kind of something that we're definitely working on. Merging is, uh, merging is kind of, uh, actually the first integration product that has arrived to the market, which is amazing. That's actually quite a cool uh, milestone. We will have a couple more integration product announcements soon. I'm not yet allowed to do it because we're kind of coordinating with the partners, but you have you might have noticed we are now also working with uh, Subpack on an integration. That's uh, actually also news that's already out. Uh, I really, yeah. I think you should see something from us and Adam Audio that's also been quite a long time already uh, teased to the market, but uh, I think we'll finally uh, finally actually do it uh, sooner rather than later. And there are some more that can't unfortunately yet be disclosed, but uh, stay tuned. But uh, there is a reason that this studio has these particular speakers uh, here, so we are working. Okay. So my last question, what I call the magic question, if you could tell us what is your um, oldest memory, as far as you can remember, connected with music or sound, each one of you. That's an interesting, I, I have to think for a minute. I do remember now, uh, my, my, I wouldn't say like, my family, when I grew up, there wasn't music in the background always. Like uh, my parents were not, you know, musicians or so involved with like music. Uh, but we still did have a uh, we did have a, uh, a vinyl player uh, uh, that was like it's still Soviet Union, like uh, 80s. Uh, and uh, 
they did kind of reprint some uh, some Western vinyls uh, in Soviet Union, but some very weird ones, uh, some really weird ones. So I remember that like uh, I at some point I I already knew how to put on the vinyl and kind of listen to it, and there was this. Uh, like usually there were these like local uh, vinyls that were they didn't have an appealing kind of cover uh, but there was this one which was some kind of African band I don't know why they reprinted it in the Soviet Union and it had like a uh, you know some 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 uh, African tribe on the cover and I was like whoa what's that and then I like, put on that music and there was some really kind of weird rhythms and really weird uh, uh, music from from my you know Western perspective and from what I had heard in Soviet Union and and now that you asked the question I do remember that I was just like listening to that and thinking like wow how weird this stuff is but it's like interesting so that's what came up in my memory I think uh, yeah my I guess my parents I mean it was not music playing in the background always but I guess my parents had a fairly fancy stereo system for the time with like a cassette desk player and some kind of uh, speakers and amplifiers and uh, I think I was kind of listening to my father's uh, cassettes uh, probably like I don't know age five-ish six-ish something like that and I kind of got stuck on this one uh, kind of I guess you could call him like a Latvian country singer or something, but it was kind of one cassette and I kind of kept going over and over and kind of only requesting that thing to be played so that my uh, parents then told it they ended up hiding that particular cassette from me because it kind of got to the point they didn't like it any longer. But <laughs> Remind me of something. Guys, thank you very much for your time. It was really a pleasure. If you enjoy watching this content, smash the like button. Consider subscribing for more videos and help the growth of this channel. And I will see you here very soon.